We left traditional public school. Where too many kids were dropping out. Or graduating unprepared for life. So we founded a school that puts students at the center. We knew these students and families didn't want to give up. Too many students were being failed by the system. So we designed our own system. And created a school our students deserve. My name's Rachel. And my name's Josh. And this is Education Disruption. So hi, everybody. I'm Rachel. And I'm Josh. And this is Education Disruption, episode one. And today, we actually want to talk about how we did this crazy thing and opened a brand new high school, which is kind of a long story. So we'll try to share some highlights with you today. But I guess to put it in context, this journey took us about six years to from idea to doors opening on Map Academy. Yeah, as you can imagine, when it was in the idea stage about six years ago, you know, when, when we, we always came from a premise, once you say something out loud, you have to do it. So we started saying out loud that we're going to open a school. And people looked at us like, huh? You're going to do what? And we were just, we kept to it. We were going to open a school. And at the time, Rachel and I were running alternative programming for a fairly large suburban district in Massachusetts, um, you know, really frustrated with putting Band-Aids on problems that needed surgery and you know they weren't just you know these kids were kind of shoved off to the night school and yeah we were getting them to a high school diploma but at the end of the day it wasn't really preparing them for much yeah I mean really and this is probably true it's certainly true in the district where we worked and but it's true everywhere I think that within large traditional public high schools even well-meaning ones, which our district was well-meaning. It still is well-meaning, but those large systems really don't do a very good job at honing in on the individual needs of students. And for the students that we were working with then and the students that we serve now, they're complex. Their lives are complex. Their pasts and their presents and their futures, and they really need an environment that can be responsive to those complexities and by and large big schools have a really hard time doing that yeah so we i mean like i said we kept saying we had this idea of opening a school but we would say it out loud and then in front of groups of people then we started saying it in meetings that you know the the goal here is to to open a full school to really do high school differently and to really serve the students um that that our programs were serving but not adequately in our opinion and so then we get to the point of like okay, we've told enough people we're going to open a school. Now, how do we actually open a school? And that's, you know, really where the story takes off of, of, of Map Academy. And at the point, it had, no, um, it had no name. It was just an idea in Rachel and I's head that we wanted to open a school. So we knew that we, in order to open a school in Massachusetts, we had to really do some research on exactly that like how do you open a school i mean we ended up being a charter school fast forward six years we ended up being a charter school we never went into this thinking like oh yeah we're gonna open a charter school but in massachusetts it was really the only mechanism after probably six seven months of research about how do you actually open a school yeah but opening a charter school is really hard they don't just let you like open a school before we get too far ahead it's kind of a hard story to tell sequentially but I think what is really important is the motivation because it is a crazy hard thing to do to open a school. 
Um, but I think the, the important part for us has always been the motivation is that there just aren't a lot of choices. If high school is not working for you, there in our region at least, and this is true I think in a lot of places, there really aren't a lot of choices of what happens when your high school experience is broken. What do you do? And in the district context where we used to work, it was a whole bunch of adults trying their hardest to help. But as Josh said, it was kind of sticking Band-Aids on, knowing that there had to be a better way. Like when a kid, whatever it is, and for each student, the story is different, but whether it's being off track because you don't have anywhere to live or because you're working 50 or 60 hours a week to support yourself and your family or because you have a child of your own or because you have mental health or your substance abuse issues or you have crazy anxiety every time you set foot in school or you have a history of trauma and I could literally go on and on and on and on. But when those things happen to you and you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, you can't just, you can only go so long sticking band-aids on before you have to actually push pause and say what are we doing here and put the kid at the center of the decision making which was really hard to do in a district where they're always trying to apply the same policies to every student and those settings are really focused on making things equal when really equal isn't fair and that's sort of I think what was the primary motivation that it was impossible to imagine the type of change that we needed. Even in our well-meaning district, it was impossible to imagine the ex- being able to accomplish the extent of change that we needed to serve the students. And if you, you know, all those students that Rachel listed, you know, the kids who had some things going on at home, the kids who were... Um, you know, experience some sort of trauma, kids who had dropped out, you take all of those kids, even in a well-meaning district like we came from, that's a lot of kids. I mean, it's not just... It's like the margin of error. It really is. In a big district, but the margin of error on a big number is a big number. Yeah. So we often, like, we looked at it like, you know, these aren't... These are a lot of kids that are walking. And honestly, it didn't even have to be a lot of kids, really, because every kid deserves it. So one kid is too many. But there's way more than one kid. I mean, the dots on the map. Yeah, the dots on the map is a a big part of the story, which led to the name eventually. But, um, you know, one of the very first things we did after we, you know, we brainstormed all those frustrations on the typical system and why they weren't working for this type of student that we served in our program and... You know, we 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 came to the point where we, like we said, that we just needed to open a new school. But one of the very first things we did was say, okay, so how can we how can we show everyone else? Like Rachel and I were living this every day. We were living this these these stories of students and families, and we kept looking at each other like this is never going to work. Like we are gonna get this kid a high school diploma, but he's probably not gonna be ready for much more. We're than, checking off boxes. The job that he had. All we did was check off boxes. We, we are well-meaning, extra well-meaning box checkers. Correct, but we we said you know we really needed to show the community and show other people how how big this problem was because it wasn't you know we needed to expand our reach and and get it out outside of our heads. So we <clears throat> we literally took a map of Plymouth which is the, the district that we worked for at the time. And we took a, we had a green sticky note, a green sticky dot for every student who had, 
who was currently enrolled in one of our alternative programs, a red sticky dot for every student who had dropped out in the previous four years, and a yellow sticky dot for every kid who was um, identified by the state of Massachusetts early warning indicator system as being at high risk of not graduating from high school. And we took all those red, yellow, and green sticky dots and placed them at the addresses of each kid on that map. It came out to 398 dots on the map. Over the four-year cohort. So we it was roughly um, estimating the number of students who had dropped out in the previous four years. So um, what would have been a graduation cohort? Correct. And three, to us, the 398 dots and the story that we were trying to tell with, with this map was that it wasn't just 398 dots on a map. That was 398 real kids, 398 real families that, that in our opinion, they didn't want to walk away from high school. They didn't fail high school. The system really failed them. And that's really where it took off. And because the clusters, too, I mean, you could see on that map and and that map actually hangs in the lobby now of of our school. Um, but you can see on that map the the layers and the clusters of where these students and families are. And um, and it, it it is a system failure. And it started way sooner than high school. But we had to start someplace and we started with high school because that's where we already were working and it was the students that we know the best um but reality is that that map could go back it could have thousands of dots on it if you started with kids in preschool kindergarten first grade where we know that a lot of times these issues start but for us that map was the beginning of being able to tell a story and to demonstrate a need and then the momentum kind of it was we did have the we worked really hard to have the permission the blessing, I guess I would say, of our district, because we continued to work for the district through this whole process, and that was challenging, um, but but that collaboration was part of why our school was able to be born, really, because um, we were very clear about our mission. But that map is pretty compelling and led us to generate the sort of told the story very visually why we needed a better option. Yeah, so now we had this idea of opening a school and we had a, a mechanism in which we could tell the story of the problem. Now we get to the point where, okay, well, we're talking about this problem. How are we going to solve it? We can't just say we were going to open a new school, which really made us, you know, take a step back and say, all right, well, what, what are the things that, you know, a lot of people say the traditional high school system just doesn't work for some kids. And then it stops at that. But when Rachel and I set out to open a new school, we couldn't just stop at that. We had to figure out exactly what wasn't working and what could be done in place so that it could work for so, students. So this all happened, Josh and I started working together in like 2013 originally, and these early years, 2013, 14, 15, were sort of the beginnings of this idea. In 2016, we formally gelled around the idea of opening a charter school. And in the summer of 2016, after much planning and back and forth and trying to investigate other options in the summer of 2016, we submitted a letter of intent 
to apply for a charter in the state of Massachusetts. And from that summer, and we honestly just, we, that letter was easy to write. You just have to basically say, we intend to submit an application to open a charter school. And then by then it was, then after that, the onslaught comes. Because after that, the charter application process took us, it's basically from the summer of 2016 through um, the winter of 2017, and it condensed into that time. Um, we had to write essentially a book, which is the charter application, defend it, assemble a board. We still had full-time jobs with the district during this whole time. We had to demonstrate the need. We had to, we had, it was just a massive, that's all sort of a whirlwind of, of a thing that happened. But we survived that gauntlet. And in February of 2017, the state of Massachusetts gave us a charter. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's really important to note. I mean, that was a, a quick timeline that oh, Rachel yeah. just went all about. It's really important to I note. I have PTSD from that whole time. <laughs> it's really <laughs> important to note that, um, you know, we were, and I, I think it's what makes MAP such a special place today in 2019, now going into our second year of operation, is that we were just two people who saw a problem, uh, set out to fix that problem, and... Um, opened a school. We didn't, obviously, we didn't have any experience opening a school. So we literally did everything from scratch. So, you know, we had to, in order to write that application, our mission was to really do high school differently. So we had to, you know, what what isn't working? What are some of the trends that we see in kids in our current programs and traditional high school programs? You know, what isn't working for kids? Well, first of all, the same attendance policy doesn't work for every single kid because for some kids, life gets in the way. And we knew that our school needed to be able to adapt to students' lives rather than kick them out when they miss too many days or deny them credits because they missed too many days. Um, we, that was for sure. We needed to. We needed and learning to, had to be flexible because to. the students that we serve with complex needs and histories, and a lot of them have interrupted connections with school. And they're, they need, we needed an academic model that was flexible. We needed to be able to meet students where they are academically, fill skill gaps, and also have high expectations to prepare them for life after. We couldn't just have this credit recovery program where we were like dragging kids along and checking off boxes. Because that's what happens to these kids. They academically, they, people feel bad for them, so they give them packets of makeup work, or they get a D minus and they get pushed on to the next course, and they didn't know any, they don't know what they're doing, and then they graduate and they don't have the skills to pursue further education even if they wanted to. So we knew we had to have a flexible model that would allow us to actually prepare students academically. And a, and a, not only a belief that social emotional needs had to be met before academic expect before academic growth is expected, but living it day in mm. and day out in that you know, not just lip service. Yeah, not just telling the kids, oh, it, it's going to be okay, honey. You know, just, or go, feeling bad just for go back to math class and, you know, focus on math. We know that your, your, your mother might have just lost housing and... Um, or your sister OD'd your last Your sister night. OD'd or your uncle just got arrested or your... Or you your, got arrested. Your brother... Yeah, you got arrested. Your, your brother got kicked out of his house and now he's living on your couch and he hasn't left in three weeks. But or you, you know can't what? read. Put all those things aside for a little bit and go sit in math class, would you? Just, just, just get a D minus. You'll be okay. 
So those are the things that we really looked at each other and we said, we need to fix that. And I think those are those are the types of things but that we'll get no into. One, and I think from the very beginning, and I, I, I think the thing about fixing that, and this is, is true today as it was in 2014 when we started this process, I think the one of the guiding lights for us has always been that all of the systems, I mean, it was, in, it was intuitive and it's not rocket science, honestly, but it's so rare in American public education. The reality is that the school needs to start with the student and it needs to focus on the individual student and that that is the like literally the through line from what we are trying to do in the program that we are running for the district. What I used to try to do when I was in a classroom into now today, fast forward to entering year two at MAP Academy is that it has to be, the system has to accommodate the individual, not the individual accommodating the system. And, and that's, and that's really like, it shouldn't be rocket science. But the organizing principles of schools are not based on focusing on the individual. They're based on focusing on on groupings and age and when you were born and how long you sit in a seat. And, and, so. I, and I, I think that, you know, uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times. We came from a well-meaning district. You know, our model could not be replicated on a scale of thousands of kids. One, one thing that we knew for sure was that we had to be a small school. In order to really yeah. personalize instruction, we had to be a small school. So we wrote our charter so that it was um, 130 students in year one, and we never get bigger than 300 students by year seven, if that. We really only planned to get as big as 250, and then look at opening more MAP academies around the state. Yeah, and I think everything embedded throughout our charter application which is basically the plan that you write the, the the charter itself is both the process and the end result of the process but through that whole thing we tried really hard to embed flexibility essentially at every layer of that plan um once you decide to put the student at the center it really does sort of make everything else fall into place um but that said you know the the problems i guess what we've tried to to accomplish is that that each student who finds their way to us at map academy knows that they are seen and heard and that their experience is based on their needs um and that's been really pretty accurately successful from like what we originally thought we needed to what we are doing now I think stayed pretty consistent, even though it was an insane amount of work that went in between those two points. From yeah. idea to reality was, I mean, now it's easy to look back and say, oh, yeah, we did it. But in the trenches of it, it's really freaking hard. Yeah, and I, I you know, in order to open a really forward-thinking, innovative school, um, the temptation to go back the, to the traditional is always there because the traditional mechanism in which to do things makes things a lot easier like having an we, we knew that we needed to have an asynchronous approach to education well how the hell do you create a, a master schedule for an asynchronous approach and then how do you report on the we data we didn't even know asynchronous and when then, we started and honestly. then how do you this we started we didn't even know asynchronous was going to be possible we weren't even that's a perfect true. example of how far we've how far we've ended up pushing outside the boundaries because that wasn't even that was like that was 20 we didn't even know asynchronous was going to be possible until 2018. True. 
and I'm planning, yeah. So asynchronous is basically, and it was actually a transformative moment where we realized that we had that option, but asynchronous basically means disconnected from time, like against time. So basically asynchronous learning means that that any time, any place learning that like phrase that gets tossed around is actually a possibility. And that's probably a story for another day um, around how we managed to accomplish that. But it's basically flexibility at its up at its like max um, because it allows student learning to be happening absent from a traditional master schedule that says that you have to be at this class at this time and then the bell's gonna ring and you're gonna go to the next class. and grades are going to close on this date and report cards are going to come out on this date and you better learn on that timeline or else oh well sorry we tried so you know i do want to take a step back we did we went over it really quickly on you know we had this idea then we had the map to show um the problem and then we skipped over to now we have a school and talked a lot about like the frustrations but you know there was a lot that happened in between that with um it actually cost a lot of money to open a school, which when we had first said it out loud, we, were, we weren't even thinking about the money side of it. We were just thinking about the kids who were leaving school and setting out to solve this problem. And we were really fortunate to um, connect with a, a local nonprofit who at the time, their mission was very aligned with the mission of what we were trying to do. Um, and we ended up connecting with them and you know, they asked us, like, what do you need to, to, what would you need to bring your idea to a reality? And that's when we were like, whoa, we can actually do this. We have, we actually have a, a foundation that, like, <laughs> is willing to help us with this. It's no longer just Rachel and I. And we looked at each other. We, we were like, we don't really know what we need yet. Um, and then we, we took a couple weeks. Yeah, and to, I think we were still kind of clueless at that point of whether we could actually do it. I knew we could do it. I was 100% sure we could do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't be the doubting type and open a school. I just, yeah. And, you know, we took a couple of weeks to think about it. And one of the very first things we, we thought of to open a school was to create a website. Because in 2019, if you have a website, you almost already exist. So that's, you know, we needed somewhere to but like... But you skipped the part about how we couldn't accept the grant because we didn't have oh, yeah, a place to put that. the money. Yeah. Because we, which is the part you don't even think about, because at the time we had no legal entity. We had nothing. We worked for the district still. So the first thing we needed was to set up a nonprofit, which actually cost quite a bit of money to set up a nonprofit. And it was one of the early things we learned in this journey that we now know a lot about that you never knew you were going to have to know. But setting up a nonprofit so that we could accept the money and then we could spend it on a website. Correct. Yeah. A lot of these and a trend that I think you'll notice in our podcast is that we talk a lot about how hard this is mm. and how hard it is to, to open and operate a new innovative school. Like you almost feel like it, it shouldn't be this hard, but it continues to be this hard. Because um, nobody does it or so few people do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we always talk about how it's, you know, it's a it's a like the, the founders club. I don't know if there's actually a club, but like the mindset of a founder. There's of, no club. There's not a club. No, Maybe we should start, start one. one. We should start a club. He would love if to start a club. If you're a founder and you're listening and you want to be mm -hmm. part of the club, Let shoot me an start. email. 
But, um, founders the, don't have time for clubs. The found, the founders' mindset of you know this this idea that you're always working. Well, no, that you're gonna do it. That it's possible. I mean, you just said it. Like we had no reason to believe we were gonna succeed at this. Like it was a crazy idea to start a brand new public high school for the type of students that we serve. It was a crazy idea. A charter school, of all things. But you have to just kind of believe you have to put your blinders on and just kind of believe that you can do it and say it out loud say it out loud over and over and over and over again yeah i agree and then eventually you know and it's it's sort of cool to sit down and and think about where we were um the reality is that it it's still a crazy journey i don't think it will ever stop being a crazy journey but i was just thinking the other day how different what a difference a year makes i mean two years i mean we could go back incrementally but a year ago at this time our building wasn't ready we were still recruiting students we were still recruiting staff we it and now we have a school we have a summer program running we have more staff coming on board we're we have we're beginning a podcast we have we graduated our first eight students um we have all these stories to tell and more stories every day. And the crazy, amazing part of this whole thing is that the students and families and staff that have found their way to MAP Academy, I mean, it's a really special place already, and it's only been a year. Yeah, it, I mean, it's only been a year operational. Right. This is the tip of the iceberg. To, you know, to Rachel and I, we've, we've been, MAP has been open to us for at least three years. Well, it's like that uh, that diagram of the iceberg, you know, with like the mountain and like almost all of it's under the surface of the water and you can't see it. I mean, I definitely think that there's that thing about starting a school. It's this massive mountain, but a ton of it remains under the surface or unseen so people don't realize. But the cool part now is that we have this public, we have this identity that's like visible and functional and it's really cool. It is cool, especially now that, you know, we're an operational school and it does get a little confusing when people say, oh, you know, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I, I've opened a charter school. and I just say I run a school. I've, I've, bec- I've got to the point where I say I'm the principal. I just say I run a school. It's, you can't really capture what we do. Yeah. And, then, you know, we can sit down and talk about this and talk about our origin story for a few minutes and then go back into the trenches of what we're doing. And, you know, we're still a small team and... And the, I think the beautiful part about opening a new school is that you really do get to um, make things up. Sometimes we're flying the plane, we're building the plane as we're flying it. But at the same time, we have, we're never going to go back to that system in which change felt impossible. Like, change is definitely possible. This afternoon, after we finish this, we're going to go meet with our staff about revamping our schedule for next year and making better use of time in year two and iterating on what we learned from year one. And that's pretty cool. Definitely. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening in on our very first podcast of education disruption. Um, listening to our story about how we uh, founded MAP Academy Charter we're School. doing high school differently. If you want to hear more about our school, our website is www.themapacademy.org. Thanks for listening. Talk Bye. to you next time. <laughs>